Hello, it's me, Al. I'm going to start off the show today with a little advert because I forgot to mention it in the podcast itself. But on Wednesday, I've got my first book being published and it's available on pre-order already. And it's called The Little Girl Who Forgot How to Dance. And it's an illustrated children's story um, for children aged three to about ten, I would say. So if you wanted to pre-order that now, you can get it from Amazon. Just go in there and type in The Little Girl Who Forgot How to Dance. And that's available to order now and will be released properly on Wednesday, both in Kindle and in uh, full book format. And it's been illustrated by fellow folk singer, the lovely Tracy Curtis. Lovely illustrations as well. So that's my little advert because I forgot to mention it at the start of the, you know, during the pod itself. So just get yourself on over to uh, Amazon and type in the little girl who forgot how to dance. And it'll be a lovely present for anyone who wants your child to, um, to live a life that's fully them, you know, to express who they truly are and uh, live life on their own terms. So um, get on over there and uh, that'll be released on Wednesday. And now for the show. Hello, hello, it's Al. Welcome back to the podcast, my weekend check-in podcast. But I tell you what, it's been longer than uh, it's been longer than a week, hasn't it? I, I, I've been ill, you see. If you've been wondering, if you've been wondering where, well, you know, ask me. I could have been lying dead on the floor, getting eaten by cats, couldn't I? For the last three or four weeks, you wouldn't have known, would you? You wouldn't have cared. I'd have been, I'd, I'd have been sat there getting just gradually gnawed away by the cats. Uh, well, it wouldn't have been cats with me, of course, because I don't like cats. Cats are horror, you know. That's what a cat would do. A dog would would sit there, loyally weeping over you, and a cat would just go, "Great, he's food now," and just eat you. Why do people have cats? I don't know. Uh, cats, I think cats. I think cats would vote Tory, wouldn't they? <laughs> cats would vote Tory. I reckon dogs are Labour voters. That's my sense of it. Cats are just in it for what they can get out of you, aren't they? Where dogs just kind of love you, no matter what. You know, they just love you, don't they, a dog? Come at you with their little tails wagging away. And a cat just wants food. And if you, if you, if you drop dead in front of them, they'll, they'll, they'll eat you. That's a cat for you. Have you ever noticed, I, I come home of a, a night quite a lot, and... Uh, there's often cats out because they like to come out at night like the evil things they are. <laughs> but they're never together, are they? they you might, if you've got 12 cats in a street, they're all kind of dotted around the place, not talking to each other. A cat would never form a union, would it? Of course it wouldn't. But if you've got 12 dogs with no leash on, they'd all be round each other, wouldn't they? Wagging their tails, sniffing each other's bums, saying hello, joining together, running round together, having a play. Cats. Anyway, the the reason I'm talking about cats is because they'd have met me had I, had I have been dead these last three or four weeks. You didn't know, did you? I might have just dropped dead. <laughs> well, I, I wasn't far off, I have to say. I've not been very well. I got this, um, I thought it was flu at first, but I think it was just a really, really bad virus. And, I, and so for the past three weeks or so, I've just been... I've been dog sick to carry on the canine analogies. Yeah, I've been dog sick. Um, but I'm back now. I'm pretty much better. I'm like 98% better. Do you know where, 
you're not well and all the symptoms have basically gone apart from like an occasional cough and, and you notice that you're not as dynamic as you normally are. That's if I'm dynamic. Am I dynamic? <laughs> it sounds like I should be wearing my underpants over my trousers there if I describe myself as dynamic. But you know what I mean. Vim and vigour and uh, other words beginning with V. I haven't got as much vim or, or, or vinegar. <laughs> yeah, I'd like some vigour on me chips. And... Uh, I'm still struggling with my voice, actually. Um, so I, I, I went, I don't know whether I told you this, because it's been so long ago, but I went to have my voice looked at again, and they just didn't help me at all. Um, I waited for four months in order for someone to say, well, we're not specialists here at singing, so I can't really help you. And the, it's not like I gave them any new information at the consultation, so they could have actually referred me to someone who was ages ago in the summer, but they didn't. So I'm still waiting to be seen, but I had a chat with, um, oh, what's his name, Dane Chalfin, who's like a, a leading um, vocal coach, because they're referring me out to uh, Withenshaw, where there's the singing voice specialists out there. And what he basically said to me is what the other vocal coach said to me is, I know they say you've got nodules, but you haven't, is basically what he said. He said, the only people who get nodules are... Women, children, or if a man gets it at all, he'll, he'll be like a falsetto singer who's having to blast out falset, falsetto. Do they call them countertenors? I don't know. I don't know the lingo. But basically, they'd be doing falsetto, you know, day in, day out to develop that. But an adult male doesn't get it. And what I've been told to do is to get a second opinion. So that's what I'm waiting for. Whatever's gone on in my voice... Um, that's been identified as problematic in June, I think it was. I still, I still don't even know what it is. So it's really difficult to manage something that no one will tell you what it is. So I'm waiting more than patiently um, to try and just find out what that is. It's a real pain in the arse, actually. Um, so I've, I've been, I've been trying to help myself out. So a friend of mine mentioned something called um, speech level singing. And uh, I've just bought a book, and it's not arrived yet, but it should, it's cost me £27, by the way, this book. It's got some CDs attached. But I thought, sod it, no, no one who's meant to be helping me is helping me. So I'll try and find some sort of rehabilitation on my own. And it's not even that I can't sing, but it just doesn't feel right still, you know. And I want to record, but then I don't want to record a broken voice, you understand? Because... Then, then, I mean, it's there forever, isn't it? So I'd rather get my voice healthy and then do a load of recording. But that's a pain in the arse as well, because I really want to record. Anyway, um, what was I going to tell you? Speech level singing. Yeah, so if you wonder what speech level singing is, it was developed by this guy. Um, God, what's his name? Seth Riggs, I think his name is. And... Um, he was the vocal coach for like Stevie Wonder and Barbara Streisand and Michael Jackson. And um, what he's basically saying is that... I don't really know what he's saying. I'm, I'm looking at something now. Um, oh, I don't know. God knows. I think what he's saying is that your body should be just as comfortable when you sing, even if you're opera singing, um, as the same as when you're talking. 
that a lot of um, vocal coaching is all about is all about the end result, and he's saying basically you, the point is to keep your body just as just the same as um, as when you're talking. So when I'm talking now, um, I'm, I've just got my hand on my larynx, you know, the, the bumpy bit on the front of your on the front of your neck, on the front of your throat. And as I'm talking, my larynx isn't really moving. And just I'll just see what happens. I'm just moving away from the mic because I'm gonna have a little sing, a little expert. I've not done this before. Um, dig, boys, dig for the coal. It is stubborn. Yeah, I'm not noticing any difference there either. God knows what it is, but apparently it's it's meant to be. It's meant to be really good. I noticed when I did have a a, a coaching uh, session with a local um, singing coach, he was talking about my larynx moving up and down. And I think the idea is that the larynx should stay in the same place. Oh, I don't, I don't know. But anyway, I've heard of this speech level singing before, and I thought, well, soddy. I I, I read some reviews that um, this was pretty easy to understand, this book. Because you know when you get a, a, something like that where you try and learn on your own about something while you're waiting? It's quite hard on your own because you've not got someone to kind of correct your errors. And But apparently this book is is kind of really good at doing that. So I thought, sod it. Get two CDs with the book, get some instructions, and hopefully I can find a way of singing which is safe and which rehabilitates my voice again. I mean, I could do the odd gig, I suppose, but uh, I'm just reluctant because I don't know what's wrong. That's the problem, you see. So, you know, I could be doing things and making making stuff really even worse. So I'm waiting on this second opinion. It's a real, real nuisance. So for the past couple of weeks... I've um for the past couple of weeks I've just been watching telly. It's really strange because I've been completely isolated because I didn't want anyone to catch it. So like my mum and dad were wanting to come down, but I didn't want them to catch what I had because it was really it was a really it was a I can't think of words anymore, you know. I think it might be H. <laughs> what a, what was it? What kind of a bug was it? Let's just go with bad. <laughs> very bad. So if I can remember very simple words, and and I'll just I'll just um, I'll just add intensity by using the word very or extremely that kind of thing. So yeah, I didn't want to see anyone because I didn't want to um, I didn't want to pass it on. So I've been quite isolated really, just sat here in my house on my own. <laughs> Thankful that I've got no cats to eat me. <laughs> And so I've been watching. I've been watching a lot of telly. I got. I got. I think you know this anyway. But I got Netflix thing. So I was watching. I was watching. Uh, I was watching some of that. Loads of violence, though, isn't there? They can't tell a story without violence, and it's funny because a friend of mine, Claire, she got in touch with me uh, yesterday and said, "Yeah, I'll watch this." And she sent me a link to um, <coughs> leftover cough. There, you see. You see how ill I've been. Leftover cough, even after all this time. Yes, she sent me um, floodgates have opened now. I'll be coughing my guts up <laughs> the whole rest of the podcast. But yeah, she sent me a link to, um, do you know the BBC thing, the documentaries that they have called Storyville? Well, she sent something where they, it's set in Folsom Prison and it's called The Work, right? Um so go and have a look at it. I think it's it's no longer there on the twenty fifth of November. So watch it. It's it's amazing. Um, it's a really good watch. So I, I watch that, and it's is what it is. It's like 
You've got all these fellas who are locked away in Folsom Prison, high security prison. And every year they, they do this four-day group therapy session. And they bring in people from the outside as well. So you've got this mix of people from the outside and people who are incarcerated at Folsom. And they work together on this huge group therapy thing. It's really intense, actually. Um, so I'd recommend that. Go and have a look at it. It's really interesting. Um, I have to admit, I was in tears after 18 minutes. So really powerful stuff at times. Um, but, you know, that's me. <laughs> I'm easy to a tear, me. I, I cry, I've cried at certain episodes of The Simpsons, I have to say. Do you remember the Mr. Bergstrom episode, Simpsons fans? That got me twice. You know, with the substitute teacher, Lisa got the substitute teacher. Um, that was a great episode, that. That got me crying. There's another Simpsons that always makes me cry as well. I'm talking about Simpsons when it was good, you know, not this kind of imposter thing that they keep churning out for the money. I'm talking about like when say first eight or nine seasons when The Simpsons was the best thing ever produced, then. Yeah, so I'd cry at The Simpsons. Oh, God help me. But have a look at that because in there there's real drama and the drama is in human emotion and interaction. And I wonder why drama writers do this cop-out where the only way that they can produce drama and engagement is by, you know, having people chopped up or killed or... Or tortured, blimey. Some of the stuff I've seen on Netflix. I just think, oh, get rid of this, I'm not interested. So I saw this um, programme called Sneaky Pete. And uh, for the first two episodes it was going well. You know, it was quite an interesting concept. I was kind of enjoying it. I was getting into the world of the characters. It was a bit crap in places. You know, the, they'd have like a reveal moment and someone would make a telephone call that would stop the, the hero's you know, from getting caught, and so it was a little bit cliche like that, but nonetheless, I wasn't well, I was kind of enjoying it, and then in scene three, bang, someone, there's this big torture scene where someone gets their toes cut off by a bolt cutter, and you think, oh, come on, so that's what I'm hungry for, any recommendations, by the way, of of good stuff that you can get lost in, like on, like box sets and stuff, but doesn't depend on, like, murder or grizzliness or violence you know if we didn't have violence in our society what would we what would we create drama based on there's so much more isn't there so i I like human interrelationship dramas and and basically what this documentary was was that you know it was it was um it was spellbinding it was spellbinding so um so that was good i also i must have been in a in a mood to watch stuff Oh, Jesus, I watched the... (laughs) Talking about watching stuff, I thought, I'll watch the Island game. You know, Republic of Ireland. Um, God, who were they playing? What dull team were they playing? My memory's terrible. I watched watched it last night. Denmark, that's who it was. (laughs) Yeah, God, it was terrible. (laughs) You know, it's not often I'll sit down and watch a game of footy these days. Uh, I fell a little bit out of love with the way it all is. But I thought, you know, World Cup qualifier, it's Ireland. It's not like watching England. I couldn't get behind England. <laughs> God, no. I'm, I mean, I'm a scouser, aren't I? We're from the Republic of Merseyside. So I couldn't get behind England. Um, but Ireland, yeah. thought, yeah, well, let's watch it. Let's watch the Republic of Ireland and see, see if they can uh, get through. 
And they just did that thing where they parked the bus. And who can blame them in a sense that away from home, they've got a second leg coming up. Denmark, I would say, are a better side than them, got better players in. So who can blame them really grinding out a nil-nil? But blimey, <laughs> I don't half pick me games, don't I? And then after that, I was up like really late last night because I watched the Tony Robbins documentary. You know this Tony Robbins, this this big kind of uh, self-help guru? Um, well, he's got this film. It was made about him. It's a Netflix film called I Am Not Your Guru. No, it's not called that at all. God, I can't even talk. <laughs> Goro. <laughs> yeah. Maybe for the rest of the podcast, I'll replace all the, all the letter U with the letter O. Shot up. Shot up. Alon. <laughs> Shot up, Alon. Yeah. That'd work, actually, wouldn't it? I'm looking for things now. I'm looking for things. Yeah. I can't... I, no, I can't find anything. Shot up, Alon. I'll settle with that. Yeah, I am not your guru. That was the, that was the title of the film. He so is your guru. <laughs> Yeah, so he's there in front of two and a half thousand people. Um, I don't know, it's... He's kind of an interesting fella because he's... I think some of the stuff that he he does is is kind of interesting. But he's a bit intense for me, you know. And it it it, it did... It was like a two-hour documentary and it was kind of interesting. Again, it was spellbinding in places, to, you know, on that topic of creating drama without violence. Um, but I don't know, public performance therapy... Eh, am I comfortable with that? Do I believe it? Do I believe what's happening? Because what he basically does, he'll pick someone. And after about 30 seconds, he's telling them who they are. And he's he's doing work with them. And it's very directive. And the other person is basically receiving his thing. You know, his wizardry. Ah, I find it a bit off-putting. <laughs> he doesn't even know these people. And I tend to think in that environment... You're trying to please the person who's in front of two and a half thousand people. And you're trying basically not to look a complete, not a dick while everyone's looking at you. And I think you go along with stuff. I've, I've, actually, I've actually experienced this being on the other end of coaching when someone's coached me and they were very directive and I was kind of, I don't know, you get complicit with them and you you, you don't want to make them feel bad. And, and part of you is thinking, well, this doesn't fit me at all, but maybe maybe this is what the new me should be. All this other stuff that I don't believe in the slightest. Maybe that's what it should be. I just don't believe in it, you know. I find myself sceptical. I'm not saying his ideas are rubbish because I've read some of them and I've even found some of them useful. I've not read a load of his stuff, mind you, because he's very... I'm Tony Robbins, man! I'm Tony Robbins! And I'm six feet six and I'm built like a brick shithouse! And I'm going to tell you what's wrong with your life! Everyone hear me say hi. Hi. So he's one of them kind of guys. Bit intense for me. Bit in your face. Um, yes, yeah, so I'll watch that. I'm sure you don't care what telly I've been watching. <laughs> I, I don't know what to say to you, really. You know, it's a funny one, this. Because, um, hang on, I'm going to cough. <coughs> <coughs> ah, you can send grapes, you know, if you want. Actually, I'll tell you what has happened. Do you know I was losing all that weight? I was doing so well, wasn't I? And um, remember, it got kind of scuppered when I had the tube up my bum. Remember, I had the colonoscopy. Well, with having this um, virus, 
Do you know sometimes you 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 have a you have an illness and it kills your appetite? That didn't happen with me, but it changed my appetite. Have you ever had that before? Where you, you're ill and then everything you normally like you don't want. And so you start eating eating shite basically. So over this three week period, I put about eight eight or nine pound on. So you wouldn't think I'd been ill, you'd think I've been on a cruise. <laughs> you know, people are like, Oh, you're looking well. Yeah, I've been ill. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've been ill. That's why I'm looking so well. <laughs> so I've put. I've, I'm a bit disappointed with myself because uh, I mean, what can you do when you're ill? You just get through it, don't you? But it's kind of annoying to have me pants all tight again. Um, I don't know why I'm telling you that at all. Why was I telling you that? I tell you what, I've been watching actually. <laughs> um, I've been watching Caesar Milan, no, the Dog Whisperer. Um, he's on some kind of rubbish satellite channel, so I've been recording that, um, and that's that's good, because <laughs> I like dogs, as you know, <laughs> and he's like this dog trainer, and so you get people with like unhappy dogs, and he comes in. It's normally the human, the human's normally kind of like he's like, no, you haven't got an aggressive dog, you've got an excited dog, and you're freaking out, which is freaking the dog out. And it's kind of interesting because a lot of what he does is just bring calm energy to the dog. And then the dog's happy, you know. So it's really interesting to see. Um, it's kind of a, I don't know, he's, he's almost teaching the, um, he's almost teaching the, the humans how to do leadership, how to do calm, assertive leadership. And I, I would actually look to see if he'd written something for humans, just for humans. And I, I can't see that he has, but I thought, That'd be an interesting little crossover. I think if I was his agent, I'd say, you know, do something in the in the personal development world, you know, a leadership course based on based on the dog stuff. <laughs> yeah, maybe I should write to him. He's probably on Twitter, isn't he? I saw Donald Trump was on Twitter this morning. God, I'd... <laughs> I I hesitate to say this in case I get attacked, but do you know like these kind of um. Teenage girl coming of age sort of dramas that you, you see on TV, and and you you have these kind of um, where, where where the friends fall out and and cry and stuff like that. You know the kind of thing. Um, he's put something up just ten hours ago, and I'll read his tweet. Donald Trump. I, I actually looked to see is was this actually by the president of the United States of America? Was this actually by someone who was meant to be a statesman? Um, and I thought it was like a fake account, you know, because you get them on Twitter, don't you? Like parody accounts. And I thought this was a parody account. So I'm guessing, because I don't follow the news so much, this just came up in my Twitter feed. Um, I'm guessing that Kim Jong-un, if I'm pronouncing... <laughs> I'm making him sound French, aren't I? <laughs> my name is Kim Jong-un. I'm the leader of North Korea. <laughs> what do you want? <laughs> yeah, so uh, Kim Jong Un, <laughs> the, the Peter Sellers of North Korea. <laughs> I am constructing a bomb. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, I'm never gonna, I'm never gonna think of him <laughs> the same again. Kim Jong Un. So, <laughs> so <laughs> Donald Trump, and this is his real account. So Kim Jong Un <laughs> has has obviously called uh, Donald Trump old. Like maybe he's called him an old man or something. So Trump on his official Twitter account 
um, like a 13-year-old um, girl who's, who's, who's fallen out with her friends has, has tweeted... This could be on, like I say, like a, a girl's Instagram account or something. Um, I'm probably going to get told off for sexism. <laughs> oh, yeah, it'd have to be a girl's account, wouldn't it? Why couldn't it be a boy's account? Well, I'll read you this from a boy's account. The boy's called Donald. <laughs> Actually, he's got an Instagram. I'm just looking. He's got an Instagram as well. Heavens. Let's have a look at this. Instagram.com forward slash real Donald Trump. Let's see. Oh, it's just pictures of Donald Trump. <laughs> There's a picture of him standing on the top of the steps of Air Force One. If that's what it's called, his big plane, just waving. There's a picture of him at a... Uh, <laughs> of, who, who, whose job is it to do this? Oh, just, they're really dull pictures, you know. Lots of men lined up in suits. Obviously, some sort of delegation. Picture of people with Donald front at the Donald Trump at the front. He's probably pushed pushed himself forward. Anyway, this this tweet. This is the leader of the free world, um, who was obviously possessed by someone from a, a you know a fourteen year old coming of age movie. <laughs> Why would Kim Jong Un insult me by calling me old? Well, I would never, that's in capitals, I would never call him short and fat. Oh, well, I'd try so hard to be his friend. And maybe someday that will happen. That's the tweet. That's the tweet. <laughs> Why would Kim Jong-un insult me by calling me old? And I would never call him short and fat. Oh, well, I'd try so hard to be his friend. And maybe someday that will happen. Ah, oh, why did I get onto this? I saw that this morning. I'm I'm babbling now. Oh, here's a picture of uh, somebody hugging somebody. Donald Trump's hugging someone. You can tell it's Donald Trump because he's got that kind of hair. <laughs> did anybody see? Um, this is one thing I watched: celebrity first dates with Michael Fabricant. The um, he's another one who sounds French. My name is Michael Fabricant. <laughs> I'll strange hair. And uh, he went on a date with this um, with this woman, um, and she she made some jibe about his wig, and he took real offence at it. Did anybody see that? I have no idea why I'm telling you any of this. Why are we talking about this? I remember talking about um, oh, I was talking about leadership, wasn't I? In Caesar Milan, I mean, I'm not going to talk back about Caesar Milan. I'm not, but. Um, I like to know why I'm talking about a certain thing. I like to follow my own thread, you know, follow my own thread. Anyway, I'm getting rid of uh, Donald Trump's Instagram. <laughs> I don't need that. And uh, Kim Jong-un. Hello, my name is Kim Jong-un. I'm the leader of North Korea and I'm, I'm creating a bomb. <laughs> ah, deary, deary me. How long have we been babbling here? Well, we're on to 26 minutes. That's all right, isn't it? I had nothing to say. <laughs> and have you had it for 20, 26 minutes? Yeah, so I've been doing coaching um, this this last week. And I also did a uh, connecting communication. It wasn't a workshop, actually. It was like an hour talk um, in front of 80 senior managers at the home office. So that was that was interesting. Uh, I had to create something brand new for that with it only being an hour. And I, I enjoyed that. 
and it's good to be back coaching again because that's that's one of the things I had to pause um, while I wasn't well. You know, obviously I couldn't. I'm going to come along and 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 coach you while giving you some sort of horrendous virus. Um, yeah, and I've been. Uh, oh, I tell you what, I have done. <coughs> oh dear. See how ill I was. This is me better. See how ill I was. I don't know. What was I going to say? Oh, yeah, I've taken Facebook completely off my phone. Now, a while ago, I took Facebook off. And um, so I didn't have the app. You know, it was a big bloated thing anyway. It was taking up loads of space on my phone. And I noticed that it was almost like a reflex. Whenever I had a moment of boredom, I would press this this blue icon with the white F on and, and stuff would appear and I'd scroll through. And I thought, oh, Alan, what are you doing? You know, if you want them to read something, read intentionally. Don't just wait for something to interest you by scrolling through, reading all sorts of shite on the way. Read intentionally, pick up a book. And so increasingly, that's what I was doing. But do you know, do you know how you kind of self-sabotage? And you kind of... Because we're often we've often got two sides of us having a little fight, haven't we? So there's a side of us that wants to do this thing, which is going to be better for us, and the other side that wants to carry on what we're doing. And so we'll make some sort of decision, and we'll we'll kind of decide, right? We're going to do the good thing, and then this this other bit kind of has some sneaky little loophole. <laughs> well, that's what's kind of happened because I, I got rid of the app, and then what I what I found out very quickly is I could just go through Chrome, you no, know, the browser on my phone. And if I type in F, because I'd been on Facebook before, it'd remember the whole thing. And I'd just basically press F and press enter and add Facebook. And I'd just be scrolling through it on there. It just had a bit less functionality. You know, it was less convenient for me to share stuff on my phone. So I was still doing the same thing. Go to Chrome, F, Facebook. And I was still doing it despite having got rid of the app. So what I've done, I've... Um, you might want to do this yourself, actually. So I'll tell you how I did it. I've... Um, Oh, what did I do? Yeah, I, I I downloaded this app, and it's called Doctor Safety. Hello, my name is Doctor Safety. Uh, yeah, <laughs> Doctor Safety, Doctor Safety. Well, Doctor Safety probably wouldn't be that cool, would he? It'd be more like uh, he wouldn't be all cool. Like, hey, my name is Doctor Safety. No, uh, that's the voice for Doctor Dangerous. Hey. My name is Dr. Dangerous. Yeah! Yeah, Dr. Safety be more like, Hello, my name's Dr. Safety. <laughs> my name's Dr. Safety. Are they the proper shoes? <laughs> so I've got this app called Dr. Safety. And what it allows you to do is to block certain websites on your phone. So it will watch what you're typing in. And if I say go to Facebook... It'll look at that, and if it doesn't like, so if it doesn't match the the thing, well, I'm talking nonsense. Shall I start again? Yes, start again. You're not saying this very safely at all. Um, just take a few deep breaths, Mr. Perry, and um, try and explain this concept to your listeners once again, but do it in a safer way. Okay, thanks, Dr. Safety. Um, <laughs> oh, dear. 
Yeah, so you download Doctor Safety and it allows you to, to block certain websites. So if you try and go on that website, Doctor Safety will kick in. I'm, I'm afraid no, you, you can't go on Facebook. It ruins your life and it makes you feel worse about yourself and it fills your head with other people's annoyances and then you get annoyed at the world. So I'm sorry, I'm not going to let you see Facebook. And that's exactly what it does without the voice and the speech. It just kind of comes up and says that website's not allowed. So that's that's what I've done on my phone. And it means that I hardly ever go on Facebook now. I, I go on it intentionally. So sometimes I think, oh, I want to ask this or I want to have a little just check up on that. And then I'll come up to my little office and I'll, I'll sit down and go on Facebook and I'll spend about five or ten minutes on it. And then I'll go and live my life again. So that's good, isn't it? That's good because I noticed that... I noticed that people were doing my head in. <laughs> you know, any time there was a, a new thing in the news and everyone would be going on about it and giving their stupid opinions. <laughs> what, 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 what I think, what I think is this, and they should do that. And look at this terrible thing that that person's done. And what they should do to that person is do this. And why aren't they saying that? And you think, oh, God, no, I don't want... <laughs> I don't want the whole bloody internet in my headspace doing that. So I, I've got rid of it. I've got rid of it. There was a story, actually, that Facebook were trying to... Um, and it caused some uh, controversy, but I was thinking, oh, this sounds great. Because <laughs> what, they, what they were testing was this idea where Facebook returned again to being something that was about sharing personal stuff. You know, rather than people just... Um, saying, yeah, I'll look at this and putting the link to it, some sort of awful thing. They were going to actually screen that out. You'd have to press a button to get all that shit. So you would just end up with friends having a conversation saying, oh, I went on a bike ride today. It was really nice. Or, oh, I've just gone to see me Auntie Frida and she made me this special cake. You know, whatever it happens to be, just people sharing their life, you know, rather than being kind of some mini conduit to every awfulness in the world and sticking it on your newsfeed and maybe i'd go back to facebook if it was like that maybe i'd use it more regularly again but it's 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 not at the moment so it got loads of con controversy because people were like oh you're censoring the news this is a terrible thing facebook but not to me you know if you want to see the news press the frigging button i don't want to see the news i, I don't want all that in my head <laughs> oh dear you find out about it anyway, don't you? If it's that important, but you know, I know I know people who, for the past three or four months, have been racked with anxiety about whether about whether Kim Jong Un, the French leader of North Korea, is going to send a bomb over, or whether Trump's going to send a bomb over there, and whether we're going to have a nuclear war. And you know, if we have a nuclear war, we're going to have it, aren't we? You know, basically. And the fact that I don't focus on it, the fact that I don't put my thoughts there, means that I'm not worrying about it. So, you know, let's say we have a nuclear war in six months' time. And I don't think we will. But let's say we have a nuclear war in six months' time. Well, all them people who've been worrying for the last three months, they'll have spent the last nine months of their lives <laughs> in a really horrible way because they were worrying about the nuclear war. And they'd have done nothing to stop it. They'll still die in a nuclear war. Whereas me, I'll, I'll have had a more pleasant nine months before I die in the nuclear war. That makes more sense, doesn't it? 
So sod the news. I don't want to see it. So I hope Facebook do that controversial thing. And I hope all you all, all you people who want to look at what's awful in the world can, can go to a different website to find out. Or, or press the button that they're making, the awfulness button. Dear Facebook, please put awfulness on my news feed. I don't want to hear about the lives of my friends and the nice bike ride that they've just been on or the flower they picked. <laughs> oh, dear. You see, I think the more we focus on the shit stuff, the more shit stuff we get. You know, because I'm, I'm scared of spiders. I see more spiders than the average person because I'm looking out for them. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I think we're probably coming near the end, aren't we? Um, I'll tell you one question that came out of the Tony Robbins thing. This is an interesting question. What are you tolerating in your life? That's quite a good question, isn't it? What are you tolerating in your life? So I woke up this morning... <laughs> Woke up this morning. Remember the Tony Robbins documentary. I remember his question about what are you tolerating, and I made a long list, and it was long. Man, it was a long, long list. And it seems that I'm tolerating an awful lot in my life, from a messy house to a big fat belly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I did make quite a long list. I thought, right, okay, I'm going to actually deal with these things. I'm going to actually. The problem with the long list, it's like where you start. So, um, yeah, one thing, right, that, that I'm tolerating is I don't have a proper filing system or, or mechanism. So at the moment, I've got like my connecting communication stuff. And that entails a pile of papers. I've got me coaching stuff for my coaching clients and all that. So that's a pile of papers. And I'm running this improv um, theatre company, aren't I? So I've got a pile of papers that are associated with that. I've got all my music stuff and songwriting things. So there's a pile of papers. And depending on what I'm doing, like if I'm, if I'm out and about, um, I'll have to take... I'll have to take one of them set, set of papers and stick them in my bag and then I'll come back and take them out and for the next day I'll put another pile of papers. And of course, they're just strewn. <laughs> they're just strewn <coughs> all over my uh, front room because it's the most convenient place for them. You know, I've got a settee and I, I live on my own, obviously, um, as you know. So no one's sitting over there anyway. No one can now. <laughs> so I've just got my papers strewn on that on that, on that that sofa. Um, and I swapped them, you know, this pile of papers with that pile of papers. So I'm tolerating that. And um, I need to sort out some proper way of organising my papers. And I've got a shitload of papers I don't even need, you know, that I, I need to throw out. So uh, there's that. And, um, yeah, I, I, I'd like to live in a... I, I've not been very good at making my house homely. You know, I walk into, like, other people's homes and it's like, oh, this is quite homely. Have you Have you done this? I've no clue how people do it. Like I, I went into mum and dad's the other day, and uh, it's like this is a this is a really nice home, <laughs> you know. And I think some of it's to do with lighting, isn't it? Which I haven't I haven't mastered yet. Some of it's to do with just being clean, <laughs> not having clutter everywhere. Um, so I need I need to sort this <laughs> Steptoe-esque living. <laughs> You know, it'll probably some hipster will probably bring that into fashion soon. So maybe I should just wait it out. 
uh, yeah, man, we're into um, Steptoesque living. Yeah, it's really, it's really real and authentic. Yeah, we just live amongst our own, our own muck. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and also, you know, I, I want to actually be the weight I want to be, and more than that, I'd like to, I'd like to look a certain way. And uh, so maybe I should do that. I've been thinking about yoga, and I was also thinking as well. I probably got enough space in my life that I could actually put some. Because I always think I don't have the time, you know, to to invest in my body in the way I invest in my mind. You know, I give my mind a lot of time. I I read things, I think about things, I scribble stuff down. But and I don't really ever. I've never really given my body the same amount of time and attention. And I think I've got enough space in my life where I could do that. I could probably do a, a couple of hours of a morning just kind of getting my body right. So one of the things I was thinking of, I, I tried yoga with my friends Gabby and Pete a while ago, and I was really surprised that on my first lesson, I thought, I'm going to be useless at this. <laughs> you know, I'm going to be doing stuff, my arse will be pointed in the air. <laughs> and I was actually good at it. I, I, I was like surprised. I was like, oh, I've taken to this. And then I thought like yoga's my new obsession. And then I went the second week and the, the instructor, he, he just didn't really tell us, you know, he assumed too much knowledge. So having given him £8, I basically spent the whole hour looking round to try and see what the other people were doing because he, he wasn't explaining it right. And I thought, oh, sod this, I'm not giving someone £8 to watch other people do yoga. And then I fell off the wagon immediately. So I'm thinking of, of maybe on a Wednesday or Thursday finding a daytime yoga because they're days I keep clear for me. And... Uh, Maybe invest in that. Maybe that might be a good thing. Get back with the running again. Because I started running. And uh, then the illness basically threw me threw me off that. But I was enjoying that. So get the running. Maybe go to a yoga on a Wednesday or a Thursday. And then maybe think of some other things. You know, what are the things that you tolerate? What are the things you sell, you know, settling for? One of them is my voice, you know. I've started to settle for the fact that my voice is broken. But music is such a source of joy for me. Why should I? So that's why I've got the sing, the the speech level singing thing. Um, yeah. So there's a, quite a few things. It was a very long list. Yeah. My um, t- tolerating things in life blues. Yeah, and I think that's all. I think that's all I'm going to say. Uh, I'm back at my psychotherapy training. I did that. I did that while I wasn't. I was on the back end of not being well. So I was just zonked. I didn't really participate. Um, but I'm finding that okay. It's not doing my head in as I thought it might. So that's good, isn't it? So uh, I think I'll leave you on that. Um, wasn't it weird, by the way, that I think the last podcast I did was in the week of um, my mum and dad's wedding anniversary. And then when I did the random, because it's always random, the song of the week. <clears throat> Hang on. <clears throat> Ah, oh, leftover cough. I've been really ill. I, have you got that message? <laughs> I've been really ill. Other people's cats, like the vultures they are, have been kind of, uh, you know, circling me. <laughs> this might be food. Yeah, what was I saying? I don't know now. I have no idea what it was. Oh, yeah, song of the week. I, I always do this randomly, so I pull up a list of all my songs, and then I go to a website called random.org. And I type in the parameters. So I tell it to give give me a random number between uh, between one and uh, and how many songs I've actually got recorded. 
And then when it gives me the random number, I look at the corresponding song and I, I play it for you. So um, that's what I did. And what number came up? Let's see. Let's find the song. The number 34 came up. Isn't that remarkable? The number 34 came up. And so it was actually on the train from Barcelona, which was the song all about my mum and dad's honeymoon. And I've been talking about that. And it's funny how that happens, that the song of the week... Uh, shall I do the song of the week now, actually? I'll do the song of the week. Then I'm going to introduce it, rather than just turning off. So um, I'm going to leave you with... Da, 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 da. Song number 25. And uh, I think you'll like this one. This is this is one of my songs which is sung more than many others, partly because somebody else has recorded it. Ian Prowse has recorded this, so you probably know what it is now. But it's been lovely talking to you again, everyone. I'm going to leave you with my name is Desi Warren. And hopefully, unless the cats eat me, I'll see you Next week, Tati, bye! Up and down the nation he gave work, strength and courage Up and down the nation he taught us to prevail he fought for safer building sites He argued for a pound an hour He was so successful that they put him in the jail Some workers' leaders, they are sent to royal garden parties Some workers' leaders are sent to the House of Lords some workers' leaders, they are sent to jail, they're sent to prison Which one sold you down a river, which one's fought your cause? The guard said, what's your number, boy? He said, my name is Desi Warren The guard said, that's your name, you fool your number's what I need And he said My name is Desi Warren You hear my name is Desi Warren The number it belongs to you I'm only saying my name The bosses on the Tory party Plotted to imprison Desi Labour came to power, but still Desi was not free So don't just point your fingers at the ones who framed him in the first place Also at the scoundrels who clung on to the key the guard said, what's your number, boy? He said, my name is Desi Warren The guard said, that's your name, you fool Your number's what I need And he said, my name is Desi Warren Do you hear my name is Desi Warren? The number, it belongs to you I'm only saying my name Desi Warren, he refused to take the label of a criminal So they branded him awkward to be broken and denied 
They drugged him and infected him with chemicals and tranquilizers. The bastards went and killed him, cause he dared to take our side. The guy said, What's your number? He said, My name is Desi Warren. The guy said, That's your name, you fool. Your number's what I need. And he said, My name is Desi Warren. Do you hear my name is Desi Warren? The number it belongs to you. I'm only saying my name.